Welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Graham Hislop, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. If we've never met, my name is Graham uh, and Graham Hislop, part of the team here. And uh, I've been away for the last couple of weeks. I've been in Auckland um, at a church. It's called Elam uh, in Botany, but they've got like eight locations around the city and there's something like three and a half thousand people. Like really flies under the radar. And it was a real great privilege to be there and just to um, share and speak and share the Annersbrook story. Um, And we are very privileged to be able to represent uh, you and to uh, all the things God's doing. And then we're in Auckland last weekend as well with um, praying for a brand new young adult couple taking over the leadership of a church called Central Church that we've been supporting and helping. And so that's where we've been. We've got three locations, one here, one in Nelson City, and one in Wellington. And so I'm going to be back over in Wellington next weekend um, hanging with the homies. That's what they call, all the young kids call it. Well, they did in 1990, but anyway. Are you all right? You feeling good? Okay, good. You're alive? Jared's alive. Good to have Jeff Leeper here. He's the strongest man in Nelson. All right, let's get into the Word. Now, um, (laughs) uh, we've been in a little series called Can I Get a Witness? And it's been a cool series. Um, It's kind of a, it's, okay, if if you're like, this is the first time to church ever or you're new to church and you're like, well, what I'm about to talk about is sort of, it's sort of a challenging topic. So I'm just going to put it out there. But it's quite good too because you could use it if, if you're like not quite there as a believer yet, you could actually use it for work or for your business or even for your family. I'll try to explain that later if I can. But if you are a Jesus follower here, um, we're going to do some real talk today. Okay, some real talk. Like let's get down to, I was going to say briskets, but it was brass tacks. Um, and then I thought brisket. I'm real hungry. Okay, so, um, so I want to talk about... Um, so I want to talk about how to be a good witness because in Acts chapter 1, there's this request that Jesus makes on all of us followers, everyone, not just pastors. So this is kind of like a big deal. And it's about this thing. And I'll just read it to you. In my former book, Theophilus, the Hippopotamus, this is, by the way, this is Luke. Um, that's, a, that's a reference to a podcast, but if you ever heard it, it's quite cool. But um, Luke was writing this just for a friend called Theophilus. Uh, crazy thought. They just had a mate who was interested in spiritual things. And he wrote two books, Luke and Acts. Two, they're addressed to Theophilus. I don't even know if he thought this was going to get into our hands, Uh, but it is crazy. It's now canonized in scripture. But anyway, um, I wrote about um, all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. So this is just a mate talking to a mate. Uh, One mate's looking for, for, for spiritual meaning. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, and Luke was an apostle, which um, he, he had chosen, um, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men. So this is after he was resurrected. Um, and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Many convincing proofs he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. That's a real interesting topic. You probably didn't think about this week necessarily. Very important, the kingdom of God. What's God's world like? What does it mean to be in relationship with God? What is heaven like? What is, how does God's kingdom or his rule, that's what the word kingdom means, rule and reign. How does that work? Like, I know how my household works, how we run it, but how does God's 
world work. And so this is what Jesus came explaining. Pretty cool. On one occasion, he was eating with them and gave them this command. um, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father as promised. This is Jesus speaking, which you've heard me speak about, I've referred to. For John baptized with water, we just saw it here, but in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is the first time this has ever happened in history. This is like out, so out there. So they met together and they asked him, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So this was like, imagine Australia came in and took us over and we're Australian and some Kiwis were left and we're like, Jesus, are we ever going to be Kiwi again? That was the context of the question. They thought that's what Jesus was doing. They didn't realize he was doing spiritual things and not only national things. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates, but the Father is set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. They're just real places. They're real place names. Be like Nelson, Nelson Tasman, South Island, like New Zealand and Australasia, it would be like saying that. So this is verse 8. I'm just going to repeat that verse, but you will receive power. And this is what it means in the um, original language, and ability. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, and the Amplified actually says to tell people about me everywhere, even to the ends of the earth. Okay? So you're going to be witnesses. Let's close in prayer. I mean, that, that's it. Like, what am I meant to do with my life, Lord? Like, that's a great question. What if God said, oh, you could be my witness? No, no, sweet. But what shall I do with my daytime hours? Oh, well, just be my witness. Yeah, sweet. But when I graduate and when I finish this education, what what am I going to be? Like a a butcher, you know, a a carpenter, a candlestick maker? What am I actually going to be here? Uh, Any of those, like, candlestick maker, who is that, you know? And he's like, I... I think sometimes God would give us input and direction, but what if God would say, I don't actually care if you just be my witness? What if God actually said, what, what do you want to do? I don't, I have no clue. Oh, he'll work with you, he'll work it out. But he's asked us to be, and so many times, um, Scripture calls us to this thing about sharing our faith. Mark 4.19, Jesus called out to his disciples and said, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. So it explains a lot about people. They're really odd to some of them, aren't they? No? Okay, no one's into fishing. Real odd looking fish. Okay. Um, Matthew 28, Jesus said, hey, go into all the world and take this gospel, this good news about hope that comes through Jesus, grace, that you're not doing, 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 trying to make your way with God, but you're receiving, and then you're going to live that out. And he said, and go and make disciples. Disciples is not really a word we use in common language today, but disciple just means student, um, follower, but probably a really good fit word that I think is worth remembering is apprentice. So a disciple is an apprentice, and you would go and you'd spend time with the teacher, in this case Jesus, who was also Savior, and you would learn his way of life. And the good news for everyone was his way of life was not stressful. Um, It was not wound up. It was not reactive or fearful or um, plastic or, um, what do you call that thing? Consumeristic. It was, it was a, from another world. It was just like a whole other way of, like the Jesus way of living your life is a different kind of way. It's just different. And so Jesus said that. And then he said here, obviously in Acts 1.8, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses 
my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay. So basically, here's God's plan. Are you ready? God's plan is you're going to be witnesses that Jesus is real and alive. I'll just repeat it. You, you, we're going to be a living witness that Jesus was alive and real. That, that concept is actually pretty wild. Think about witnesses. Anyone been to court lately? Don't put your hand up. Um, it's no judgment. I've been three times. One was I married a couple at the courthouse, okay? And they do need to work on their wallpaper. They could just make a little chapel, something. Like, but it was a nice ceremony. Two, I went to support someone who was going through a court thing, like a pastoral kind of a scenario. And that was kind of my, um, that was a very, very different experience, just kind of being in that space end zone. And the third reason I'd, I've been to court is when my brother, Philip James Heslop, got into trouble. 02177920505. So anyway, Phil, that's his real number. You can text him, ask him. When he was 19, when my brother was 19, he was two years younger than me, he had a Mitsubishi um, uh, Lancer GSR. And this was then, like Japanese imports were starting to come through and this thing was fast, had a big, whopping big turbo on it. And I think they wound the turbo boost up. But 19 and and that kind of car is, uh, do you remember Adrian, a white one? Yeah, double thumbs up. That's awesome. Was that when you were driving Pete and Cheryl's Commodore and you stacked it at the church fence? Okay, anyway, so... um, so anyway, Phil, we'll talk about Phil. We'll just leave you. But anyway, that was great though, hey, dude, I was there. Yeah. And um, so Phil was driving down. I wasn't with him. He was on his own. And he was driving down a well-known piece of road. You'd know it if you lived in Nelson region. And um, anyway, he was going around the corner and he didn't get it loose or anything. Just was going too fast. And, you know, the law would call this dangerous driving. But I think it's quite um, clever. He rolled the car without losing traction he must have been going crazy fast. I mean, he didn't lose traction to roll it, didn't he? Okay, anyway, technicalities. And he rolled it, and luckily no one was hurt, um, but he rolled it right into the front yard of a house. Now, yeah, the, here's a couple of pieces of information. The person's yard he rolled it into came here to Annisbrook. <laughs> so good. They shifted to Aussie, but they don't live there now. And then Phil came... To Annisbrook. It's such a great setup. And then, um, but people, it was sort of like five o'clock at night, I think. And so um, people heard it, people came out, and someone rang the police. And then the police came and they charged him with dangerous driving, and so they should have. Um, and then um, he went to court. So he goes, Hey, do you want to come to court with me? I'm going to go. And I was like, Because it was our first sort of experience, so I was, I was all about it. So we went to court, and Phil, to his credit, um, A, doesn't know I'm sharing the story, but B, um, simply just admitted he was wrong. And he spent 20 years behind bars. He's getting out this Christmas. <laughs> well, it's sort of true. He lives in Auckland and that's like a prison, isn't it? So, what? That wasn't a joke. Um, and anyway, <laughs> so, so, okay. If Phil hadn't admitted that he, what he'd done, if he hadn't been humble, if he had denied it, and he decided to fight the charges, this would be the process. Listen to this. Witnesses would start being gathered. They would build a case. They would um, be there to tell what happened that they witnessed. And this is huge because a witness can be the very thing that causes justice to either be withheld or granted. Pretty much a witness will either cause the judge to go, yep, or nah, 
or whatever. And if there's anything that you cannot forget about this morning and you take one thing away, it's just this, okay? That you are, to the existence of God, that witness. You are, by Jesus being called to give witness. Not when you feel like it. Not when you finally feel prepared and equipped. Not if you have the right personality, skill set. Every person in different ways, shapes and forms we are meant to, part of this journey of being an apprentice is to give witness to who Jesus is. Second Corinthians 3, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some of you, letters of recommendation to you or from you? Context of this, Paul was being blamed for a ton of stuff he didn't do, but he was trying to equip followers, apprentices of Jesus to live the way, the kingdom way. He says this to this group of people, you yourselves are our letter, you are a letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone, you show that you are a letter from Christ. A lot of you are like, I wish my family could read like one book of the Bible. No, 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 it's all good. They're reading you. They've been reading you. You're a letter from Christ as a witness to who He is. People say, oh, oh, oh what's the, the proof of God's existence? And so we start trying to read, you know, encyclopedias. It's now called Wikipedia. We start to read National Geographics. Oh, that was rude. Close it. You know, we start to, not funny. Um, we start to read Time magazine. You know, we're trying to find the, the medical answers, the scientific answers, and they are all good. And I guess they do help if you are wired in that way. But God, God isn't relying on you being able to explain physics, science, medicine, or any other thing. You are the proof. Uh-oh. Oh, no. No, no, no. I'll point to the moon. Jesus is like, I'm pointing to them, like, just give a geese at that. That is the proof that I exist. Okay, sweet. I woke up the other night with a weird thought. Not the first time. Um, this weird thought I never had, though. I wonder how much Coca-Cola spend on advertising. I woke up with it. Do you ever wake up like that? Oh, I wonder what the advertising budget is for this company. Four o'clock in the morning. I was like, I woke up and even surprised myself. I was like, why am I thinking about this? This come out of nowhere. Okay, well, let's backtrack. Apple, that's a company. They spent $1.8 billion last year on advertising. Ford spent $2.45 billion on advertising last year. Amazon spent $3.38 billion on advertising last year. And Coca-Cola, the answer was, 4.25 billion in 12 months to advertise their healthy products. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> is that defamatory? <laughs> like I'm not in the States. God, God, do you know what he did? He's the great marketer. He put hope in your heart. He got you to experience grace. He opened your spiritual eyes to the reality of who he was. He helped you. He eased your fears. He gave you a calling. He put a purpose in your heart. Some of you, he's given you a dream. If you don't have a dream, go home and ask him this afternoon. Life is short and life is long. Do not live without a dream from God. Go ask him, what's the dream? God didn't have to spend a cent because he did something in you. You are heaven's advertising. You are the marketing strategy. 
I am yelling, I hope you hear it. <laughs> so good. Isn't it amazing? So, okay, so you're the witness. So there's two key attributes because I'm, I've studied law. You know, I did for 10 minutes. So, <laughs> I, so there's two things about being a witness, okay, that you need to know. And they're really good. First of all, real big thing if you're going to be a witness is you need evidence. Okay, evidence. Um, is there any evidence in your life that Jesus is alive, He saves, and He's awesome? I'm just going to put it out there. That's a good question to ask. Okay, is there any evidence? Now, I'm going to ask a question, and it's horrible. If you were arrested for your faith in Jesus, and they took you to court, would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you of that claim? Ooh, that's a bad question. I liked everything about today until that question. If you were arrested for your faith in Jesus and they took you to court, would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you of you? Well, what sort of evidences are we meant to have? Okay, let's go back to the, to the master builder. Let's go back to Jesus, where his apprentices, what would he say? He would say in John 13, let me give you a brand new command. And the man, their lives were filled with commands. The Levitical law like, had 200 and something laws, 213 or 216. I don't know if Simon's here. He could correct me. He could instruct me. He could do whatever. But, but, but like, there was a lot of rules. And Jesus was like, I want to give you a new one, okay, guys? Because I'm going to fulfill the law of Moses. So it's not about, you might be here and you're like, oh, Christians are about the Ten Commandments. Yeah, we are in that. They've been fulfilled by Jesus. And I stand in the reward of his fulfilling that. But he gave me a new command. And what is it? Love one another. Notice he didn't say debate one another. Did you notice that? In the same way that I have loved you, which is very painful, by the way. That's a very sacrificial kind of love. It's a very long suffering, playing a long game. James, the half-brother of Jesus, right? Half because Jesus' father was the Holy Spirit, God the Father, work of the Holy Spirit through Mary, James and Mary, James and Jesus had the same mum, Mary. James didn't even confess that he believed Jesus was Messiah until shortly after Jesus was resurrected from the cross. And yet Jesus called him to be his disciple for three and a half years. He's walking around going, I don't know, I don't know. Of course, he's your flipping brother. Who believes a sibling? I just paid my sibling out in public. That's the kind of like, that's what we're dealing with. But he finally came to the realisation that this was no human being. The signs, the wonders, the miracles, and what he said, but it was more than that. It was, it was that God had come and visited and they knew that. So Jesus says, this is how everyone will recognise that you are my disciples. That's how they're going to know you're a witness. What? When you love one another. And in 2020, a lot of believers have taken out the word love and just put right in there. That they will know your disciples if you're right. Rubbish. They're not going to know that you're a disciple because you can win an argument. Arguments, Jesus didn't win arguments. Jesus won people. Preach that. Oh, you're not getting excited. I'm getting excited. You don't have to win an argument. You just have to win people over. Preach. That is so good. Okay. What else? Um, another evidence that you're a follower of Christ is how you forgive. 
Jesus said there's a parable, guy has these debts with this guy. He walks in, he's telling people because this is who, what he was doing. Um, he goes, oh, this guy had like thousands of dollars worth of debts, couldn't pay it, he's in trouble up to his eyeballs. And the man, the guy that he had lent money off comes to him and goes, hey, what, guess what? I'm gonna forgive you your debts. He goes, what? No one does that. Set him on his way. And he went home and guess what he did? He went home and he said to his wife, hey, let's get the books out. Gonna get the accounts out. Who owes us money? She's like, why? Let's go get them to pay up now. Jesus is telling the story in like the Gospels. And, and he goes and he just cashes up all the debts when he'd been let off a big fat one. And Jesus said, that's what it's like when we're human and reacting. It's like what it's like when we're living out of our hurt. It's what it's like when we're just totally bound up in our, in our bitterness. Is that you fail to see you've been forgiven of much and you're going around getting these piddly little debts. But he says, when you forgive much, you will be forgiven. And we're gonna learn as followers of Christ that one of the evidences is people are watching to see what you do with offence. Dang, this is challenging. Oh, I don't like it at all, but it's gotta be said. So is your peace as evidence. Um, Romans chapter 14, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of the food you eat and drink. Why was that relevant? Because they were having a debate that if you're really a Christian, you're gonna stay away from pork and bacon and rashes of bacon. Oh, yum. Anyone hungry? And just little sizzling and a bit of avocado, you know. And, but people were going around peddling that. They were. The Boston butt is nowhere near that area. It's actually the shoulder. Anyway, you know, this is what, this is, no, seriously. So they got people coming in there preaching this. So you're going to follow Jesus. You're going to watch your diet. You're like, really? How is that even relevant? Oh, that's because everything they'd grown up in was about what you did and didn't do and what you could and couldn't eat. And God was coming and saying, listen, I've fulfilled the law, so eat up. Not relevant to you though, is it? Because you can go down the road and you can get whatever you want. But what about this one? Your life is not the sum total of your performance and the amount that you earn. Should we get a bit more personal? Your life is not the sum total of how you were treated as a child or even what your future fortunes look like. Paul says, the kingdom of God is love, joy, and peace. A lot of people see Christians and it's just judgment, judgment, judgment. If we're growing in Jesus, we should be growing in love, joy, and peace. I'm gonna drop this mic, but I have to buy a new one, so I won't. What budget will that come out of, Jared? Nobody knows. You know, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get closer to Jesus, then love should be growing in my life. And that's a challenge, eh? Because hurry kind of grows in my life a lot. Stress. Do we really have to put that away? She's not in the room, it's great. Do, oh, you're down the back, damn it. Oh, no. Oh, she's like the Holy Spirit. She's always here. I love you, babe. Oh, no. So, Jared, do you want to come and finish this off? I just feel so convicted. Or, you know, like, like, like love, joy, and peace. Do you, I know, okay, okay, okay. Someone goes, I love, I love your aura. Your, my what? Your aura. There's, there's just something about you. Now, okay, I'm good with it. I'm good with the aura. Apart from, I think it's something else. I think it's when they found out that we were going through Rebecca's cancer journey for two years that I didn't want to like pack everything in. It was challenging, 
but I could still come in here and just give thanks to God maybe. There's stuff you go through and it's, you're thinking, why God are you doing this? And I don't really know, but maybe he could use it as a witness. Dang, that's good preaching. If you don't encourage me, I've got to encourage myself. Seriously. Like, like maybe, maybe God, yeah, thank you. I mean, it was forced, but anyway. <laughs> it's like, it's forced clapping. Nothing like it. What was church like? Forced. But, but seriously, you're like, oh God, why are you doing that? Why did that happen? Why did this happen? Wrong question. What could this be a witness to in some of the people around my life? Even those close, do you struggle with mental health? I wonder what that could be a witness for. That you're learning the patterns of dealing with a filter of dealing with your own emotional health. That there are so many scriptures I could share with you that you are not labeled as broken for going through things with your mental health. You need a process. You need a filter. You need something that you can throw the troubles and the worries of life through. And my gosh, what a testimony that when you turn up and they know what you've been going through, but you've been growing through as well. Preach, that is good. I don't know where this stuff's coming from. It's just brilliant. What about your countenance? What if some Christians, just a thought, what if we smiled? G'day, mate. Is it time for me to finish? Yeah, he, he's in charge of everything. What if some Christians turned up to their local, finish the sentence, school, restaurant, cafe, and just, what about this next time? What are you doing? Just a bit of evidence. He likes, that's weird. Don't wink with it. I I want to say, do not wink with that. Like, I I think this is good, but that's not, no. What about your generosity? Oh, yesterday was awesome. I went to the pool with my my son and daughter and other son, children, I could have said. And uh, sorry, because elongated. I'm running out of time. And anyway, I saw that um, Izzy had a whole group of um, mates, teenagers. And I just, um, Judy came up to me and goes, Dad, can we go to the dairy? Um, the canteen, it's called a dairy shop. And, I, and I'm always like, my first response is, I bind you in Jesus' name. <laughs> like, no one wants to buy stuff, eh? They're always wanting stuff. Want, 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 want. And uh, anyway, and then I just thought, I was at the camp because I said, yeah, okay thinking, what budget's that going to come out of? And then I go, <laughs> then I go up, <laughs> I go up to the counter and I have this thought, how many teenage friends was with this group? And how many friends was with Saskia? And I just bought, I think I bought 13 ice blocks. And Judah, I think he thought it was just for him. He was like, yeah. <laughs> and he just ran off with them. And he just started, he was like Father Christmas, a short one, but he started giving... He started giving these out to all the mates and they were dumbfounded. They didn't know what to do. When you're a teenager, you're on part of a famine you're consistently, aren't you? They, and they, someone just bought them an icebox and other people were looking. I reckon our generosity, small things, just a witness. Just a witness, guys. There's so many ways and evidence that God is real to you, that I believe this stuff. That, that I actually think that's how God is. And then I've got to finish now, but this is the second piece because I think it's got to get more practical. And that is when you're a witness, there's going to be evidence and there's also going to be a confession, um, testimony. And they get in court and they're like, okay, so who saw the 
the teenager who rolled their car down Monaco, that's where it was, who, who rolled their car? And the guy goes, okay, we've got a witness. And he comes up and he stands in the dock. Want to see modern Christianity? Ready for this? So the witness comes up. He's called. God's called you to be a witness. Stands in the dock and just goes. The lawyer's like, you've got to speak. You've got to say something. There are no such things as silent witnesses. Not good ones that make a case. This is why Acts 1.8 is important because it says, you're gonna receive power. In other words, to be my witnesses and tell everyone about Jesus, you're gonna receive power. Why? Because you flipping need it. You will get in the dock of life and you need to say something. We talked to all of our staff last week and we told all of them, go prepare a 90 second message about your Jesus story. So if you're ever in a situation that you can share your faith, my grandma, she's still alive, 93, and she was, she's a crazy girl. She used to, like, she's just like a lot of fun, but crazy as well. Sounds like she was more fun for the grandkids than she was for the kids, if you talk to my aunties and my mum about it, because she was like, she's out there. Like, not bad crazy, but just like a bit of an adventurer, and um, you need more stability sometimes. Because she would put things like, like, she'd make your food, and she'd put curry in everything. Make your cereal, put curry in it. Make your, make your cake, put curry in it. Like, I would go there, man, that's tangy cereal. Like, she was like, there's curry. It's like, what? Why? Just to, just to make you laugh or do something. But she was also a follower of Jesus. But you know, her dad, um, they didn't grow up in a Christian family. Her parents, her parents didn't. Um, he was 15 or 14 when his dad was um, killed, tragically. And they lived on a farm before wealthy. And so this kid knew that it was on him. And so... Um, he, under such strain and pressure, he'd been going to like an open brethren, um, like kids camp. He'd been and heard the gospel, but nothing. There'd been nothing. Anyway, this situation made him cry out to God and he just remembered enough to know that the Bible says in Romans that if anyone calls on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So he's 14 or 15 and he's in his house and he's crying out to God, help me, help me, because it's all come down on him. His dad's died, it's now on him. He's got no other brothers, it's all daughters. And so he cries out and guess what happens? there's an encounter with God that's real to him, changes everything. And that was a generational change for my, her family, my family, I guess. And my grandma grew up with that kind of faith. It was radical, it was edgy, it was real, just real. So her and my granddad, they would go places and as they got older, they'd have to start traveling on buses and she would just witness to everyone. That's how my dad came to know Jesus because my mum and my dad were dating, but my dad wasn't a Christian. And, and Doffa came along and said to John, my dad said, John, they were dating. She barely knew him. Are you born again? And he said, what now? She said, have you been born again? He goes, what's that? And she told him. The work of grace and believing in Jesus will make you a new person. She did this at a bus stop with a young guy in the mid 80s who was a transgender. And he was, um, I don't know, in his sort of like early 20s. My grandma and granddad sat down. He was sitting on the bus stop. They sat down, K Road. They're about to catch the bus and she turns to him and she said this, excuse me, did you know that Jesus loves you very much? That's how they intro it. He said this, he answered her, no. She said, oh, he loves you very much. Have you ever asked Jesus into your heart? He says, no. And she asked this question. It's a great question because you need evidence and you need a confession. Would you like to ask Him into your heart right now? That was the length of it. 
He said, yes, I would. So they prayed at the bus stop, prayed a prayer. The beautiful thing about that story, and a lot of us need to think about this, for the next um, several years, they'd stop at the restaurant he worked at every couple of months just to see how he was going with following Jesus and being his apprentice. We can't be silent witnesses. Oh, but Brent will do it. Graham will do it. Jared will do it. Alicia's pretty good at too. They're all going to do it. Anti-biblical. Anti-biblical. Not even in the Bible. I'm sorry if we've made you look like, if we've made ourselves look like really good communicators. The purpose, according to Ephesians 4, is that our gifts would serve you so that you and me included can go be witnesses. You need evidence and you need a confession. And I want to say this, that stop praying for a move of God and start being one. Stop praying that God will give you opportunities to speak to people and start speaking to people. Use questions. Don't be stupid. Don't get into arguments. Ask good questions like this. Um, Who is Jesus to you? Just ask a person. Hey, have you ever had faith in anything? Hey, what's, I asked this one. What is the theme or the ethos of your life? What do you base your life on? That's a great question to ask Kiwis. One guy we've been connecting with for about a year and a half, been sharing with him at the gym of all places. Um, It started with a conversation about the difference between Christianity and Buddhism. And when he found out I was a pastor, he was so pumped because he's not a Christian. He said to me, he said, oh, they're quite similar, aren't they? And I was like, what? He goes, Buddhism and Christianity. I said, oh, how so? Because I was intrigued to know why he would think they're similar. Who has given him a watered down gospel? So I said, well, how are they similar? By the way, I'm going over time, but I'm going to carry on. And so he goes, he goes, oh, well, it's all about love and it's all about peace and it's all about treating others as you treat yourself. And I said, that is actually right. I said, but there is only one big difference, isn't there? And he said to me, what's that? I said, oh, well, Jesus, after he was crucified and murdered, he actually rose again after three days. So I think that probably puts you in the category of being God, doesn't it? We didn't talk again for four or five months. That's okay. I didn't do it aggressively. I just, it was a glaring, obvious difference to me. You know, either the claims of Christ are true or they are absolute lunacy. Human's job is to work out which is which. which. So anyway, a year and a half later now, five months after we started having conversations again, I've read this book and they say Christianity's like this. I said, oh yeah. And like, honestly, for about a year after that, we've been, de- not debating, but we've been talking about and pulling apart and extraditing the differences. And this one day, and it's recent, it was during our squat session and you've got to be focused. If you are pronate, like if you're going on the front of your toes during that, there's going to be injury. You've got to be on the back of your heels. I'm not talking about the gospel, I'm talking about squats, amen. So anyway, he comes up to us during it and starts talking about it. And I'm like, oh, and we're talking and we're having more questions. And then he went away. And then he came back about 10 minutes later, more questions. And then he goes away and he comes back one more time with another set of questions. And I've nearly had it. I am here for the gym. Like, <laughs> and I said to him, I said, hey, you know, you can, so much to learn about faith. There's so much to learn about Jesus. You are obviously very educated in this faith that you follow. I tell you what, there does come a point where you can actually need to stop reading and stop trying to learn. And you need to ask Jesus, if you are real, I need you to show me. I see that I did that and it made a huge difference in my life. 
And then he walked off. And then about 10 minutes later, he came back to us. And this time we're at the biceps machine. I'm not sure why we're mixing legs and biceps, but I think we can all tell when we look at Jared, can't we? So I, I, we were there and he comes back up and he says, one more question. One more question. You ready for this question? This is over one day. He says this, how will I know when I've had an experience with Jesus? I said, oh, that's a great question. And I just opened it wide that there's not one way, many different ways. I said, you might feel something like a real peace. You might feel clean like you've been forgiven. A love that you cannot, there's just no way to describe this love. This is in the gym. I'm in a singlet. It's brilliant. In the presence of God, because I'll finish with this, Acts 1.8 says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Because when they go to court and the witness gives evidence and they give a, um, they give a evidence, they give evidence and a testimony, okay, spoken word, it's now up to the powers that be, isn't it? And a lot of us are not sharing our faith because we think it's all up to us. Just, just live a life with evidence. Start opening your mouth, be creative. Tell a story. Tell a story from 20 years ago. Now, if they reject it, that's the powers to be are gonna work that out. God is gonna work that out. You're just being called to be a witness. And I wanna give you some homework today for those who, you know, 100% of the church should be empowered and on the mission for this. But I'm gonna give you um, some homework for those of you who are following the way, who are an apprentice of Jesus. This week, I want you to write a 90 second story about your faith. So that anywhere, anytime you can just share. Any moment that comes up. Think of, write down all the questions you can ask a person that won't switch them off. Why? Because we are on a mission. It's the mission of God. God loves the world so much that He's asking us to be witnesses to the reality of what He's done at the cross. And now I would like to pray for you and finish. Father, I thank You for Your Word. These are challenging um, issues. They are challenging things to do. But I pray that, Lord, there would be such a grace that would come upon us, such a life that would come upon us, that we would know, Lord God, how to be your witnesses. And I'm just going to say, I'm sorry, Lord, for the moments that I've just ignored that and, 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 or, or moments where I've been aware of it, but I've cowered. I want to say sorry, Lord, for the moments where I realise that on the other side of doing this is your great love for people. Increase your love for people in our own hearts. Help us to love others like you love us. Holy Spirit, breathe through our lives and help us to be living stones, living witnesses. I pray, Lord God, that you'd raise such a confidence and such a boldness for people that we would shine your light and we would go into all the world. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.